All right, everyone. Thanks for joining me here at Floating City Podcast. Uh, my name is Alex, and this is a podcast where I interview people that really inspire me, people that um, have created either a business or a refined their craft over the years or both. And um, I have Mr. Jeremy Manley here with me today. Hello, sir. Hello. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, for sure, man. Thanks for joining me. So, um, We'll talk about just our relationship before, you know, we get into your life. But um, I kind of met you through Regulars Wanted. I worked there as a barista, and you come through kind of frequently, and I met you through there. Yeah. And how long have you been living in Julian for? Uh, I grew up in Julian, so I've been here since I was 10. Uh, On and off. I went to culinary school in San Francisco. Came back home because if you've worked in the food and beverage industry, a lot of people know that you don't make a lot of money in the back of the house. So I realized that in order for me to really go after what I wanted to do, I had to move back home with mom and dad once I graduated and uh, kind of reevaluate how to make money and how to (laughs) stay passionate and drive. Sweet. Dang. So you've been here, so you're 33, so it's been a while. Yeah, 20, 23 years. Dang. <laughs> Dang man. Well, that's a, just um for context, it's very windy outside, so there will be a little bit of a texture in the background. Um so um and when did you start? So Jeremy is um a restaurant owner and is that your main gig? Yes. So. Um so we've had Jeremy's on the hill. It's my mom and I's business now and we've been in operation for 13 years. 13 years. 13 Shit, I thought, years. for some reason, I thought it was newer. I thought so too, man. Time flies. <laughs> I look at the clock sometimes and I'm just blown away at how yeah. much time and how much, uh, yeah, how much time's gone by and what we've evolved into. Dang. And was the, and Jeremy's on the Hill is his restaurant. It's a fine dining restaurant in Wynola, right? Or is it? Correct. It's yeah. Okay. Well, technically, Wynola doesn't exist. Wynola is just a road. But oh, okay. Here in Julian, you have these like, you have Julian, and then you have this like in-between town that's kind of been branding itself as Wynola, and then you have Santa Isabel. But it literally goes Julian, Crossroads, Santa Isabel. There's a street that divides the two called Wynola Road. So there's like there's 100 yards on one side of the road that's branded itself as Wynola, and then same thing on the other side. Dang, so, okay, it shows how new I am here. <laughs> I've only been here for like a year and a half. It's small town politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dang, so, and that was how long ago? 13 years? 13 years you've been in operation. And you opened up at that location, you've stayed there the whole time? Correct. Yeah, we, um, I got picked up by a golf course uh, down in Borrego Springs, about 20 miles from Julian, uh, to take over their food and beverage program. So I did that for a couple of years, but I, I just stretched myself too thin, so I came back to to my roots, came back home to, to Julian. Okay, and now you're just working and doing your thing there? Correct. Whoa, man, that is intense. And how old were you when you opened it? Uh, 20. Shit. So 20. you were young. Yeah, I was young. Young, I, and you were managing the place too? Yes. I thought I knew what I was doing. I didn't know anything about what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, but that's cool though, getting thrown right in there, OTJ training on the job. Yeah. Dang, man. And um, it was pretty, was it like 
you have like normal busy seasons that you have to get you know do that kind of stuff well yeah here in julian we're we're a four season tourist town restaurant and our population is so small up here um that we rely on tourism pretty much to pay our bills it's almost every small business up here Mm -hmm. um i feel that we are known for apple pie julian pie company mom's pies apple alley etc and that's kind of what's fronted julian into the mainstream media and then of course everybody comes up here for fall for the apple picking picking the pears experiencing the four seasons that make san diego so great we're an hour drive from downtown san diego so literally within one hour of san diego you have mexico within one hour of san diego you have julian which has all four seasons so it really plays into like the outdoors hiking adventurous uh fishing at lake cuyamaca uh small town exploration agenda that people have just to get away for a simple weekend yes i think that's why we've been thriving during covid times is because it's been extra escape for people that are stuck down the hill it has and the open spaces um i think you know for for however long covid's been going on for i mean we have fewer cases than almost probably anywhere in the county um 11 i think so far yeah yeah since the beginning yeah i think that the open space is huge and the green grass and it blew my mind because you know as we've all seen as like small business workers and owners that the influx of tourism since they've reopened has been bananas um it's like Vegas. It is. <laughs> Especially on Main Street. The only thing you can't do that you can do in Vegas is walk down the street and drink. Other than yes. that, but even that, there's there's leniency laws that yeah. worked in our favor as businesses to help keep our doors open. Totally. Dang, man, that yeah, it's um it's kind of an interesting town here and the I've I mean I chose to move here, you know, at, as an adult. So it's a it's an interesting town to come move in environmentally, like you said, the four seasons and all that. And um, and it's I ate at Jeremy's a couple months ago, like three times since I've lived in here in Julian. But the main thing I, I'm really into fresh food, organic food, local food, um, holistic healing, and all that. And a huge thing I noticed, it's like real food. Like you get, it's like it's fine dining and everything, but it's like I, it's like food that I prepare for myself. I usually just cook for myself and. It was a meal that I was like, dang, this is like a really high quality home cooked meal. So I guess my question is what it, that's obviously very intentional, right? Yeah. You know, it's, I love rustic, simple food and I, I, the, the, the few chefs that I've worked for in my life, um, the philosophy that they had and that I've kind of adopted for myself is if you buy quality ingredients, you don't really need to do much to them keep them in their natural organic state whether it's a carrot whether it's a rack of lamb whether it's a ground beef that we've molded into a burger for grass-fed if it's bacon if it's prosciutto if it's a fish that we buy it's like you just season it with salt and pepper add a little magic and love to it and then you serve it but like not manipulating like versus like taking food out of a can then you have to add and manipulate the product because it's already been manipulated so much so to make that manipulation taste good you got to manipulate the manipulation and yes. it's a big tongue twister and before you know it it doesn't even taste natural you just yeah you just taste different flavor sensations in your mouth but we really focus on keeping it simple and i look at it as uh when we go out to Julian or when we go out to get away from the hustle bustle of the busy city, it's almost like taking a step back in time. 
So we've tailored our menu to kind of going back into time. So we don't do sous vide cooking. We don't do molecular gastronomy. We keep things extremely um, simple that you can wrap your mind around. We do add like our own little flares and twists to it. So when you go out to eat, you don't want to just have something that you can make at home. Mm-hmm. But I want it to be something you can identify with, see, visualize, uh, understand what it is that you're eating. From the time you walk into the restaurant, from the time you leave, you have unique experience. And all that to me is why uh, that's what we are at Jeremy's on the Hill. That's our business practice. Mm -hmm. We're not trying to be the best. We're just trying to do something that everybody loves and that everybody wants to come back to. Yep. Well, you're definitely doing that, man. I mean, I was like, it was was living. Like the food, the greens and everything. I'm really into like salads, greens and everything. And it was, I mean, most of the times... I, I lived in Portland for a bit, and I would go to a lot of, like, vegan, vegetarian restaurants, and it was, like, it was good, you know, and they were, like, considered fine dining, but it was not, like, a high-quality meal, and it was, like, you know, price point and everything. It's amazing. Amazing experience. I ate there every time I ate there, and, yeah, it was amazing, man. So, you guys are doing awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you, from the beginning, you kind of cooked like that? You know, we, I, I, I learned from a German chef uh, when I was working at Mill Fleur in Rancho Santa Fe. And then before that, I worked at a Peruvian restaurant up in San Francisco, which was influenced with Asian flavors. Uh, when we first opened the restaurant in Julian, I just wanted to do something like fresh cuisine that I thought represented farm, a small farm town that was known for apples. Uh, and I, I never thought about taking it beyond that. From there, uh, I think our first real signature kickoff was our bison meatloaf which we just so happened to have bought right down the road the bison uh from there it was the brussels sprouts that we've been doing now for 13 years and Mm -hmm. uh we've we still go through 90 to 180 pounds of brussels sprouts a week it's insane how many brussels sprouts we go through we may contribute to global warming just from the byproduct (laughs) of (laughs) of eating a brussels sprout but um you know we we just started off as, as 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 one thing and then um, Ken and Denise, who run Starby Ranch, mm-hmm. um, they kind of started talking to me about this farm-to-table movement that they had heard about and were getting involved with in San Diego. They brought uh, Peter Zion up, who's the brewer and owner of Alesmith Brewing Company. So we did our first bison and beer pairing dinner. This must have been 12 years ago, 11 years ago. And Peter made his own goat cheese. Um, so we did this like five-course dinner with beer and bison and mm-hmm. his goat cheese. And that's kind of what kicked off in my head this farm to table and this new philosophy which was great because as a small business owner who knew nothing about restaurants except what i learned from in school it gave me this opportunity to kind of like focus in on something part of the downfall to opening up a business if you don't really know what you're doing is your brain's always scattered so i didn't know how to categorize and bracket and how to execute and do things properly so this was kind of like something this is like a rope for me to grab onto and pull and like understand how uh not even how but grab the rope to start working towards without even realizing it what my end goal was going to be for this restaurant nice what is like your so is your what's your main vision for the place you know um i wanted it to be this super unique experience that you couldn't get anywhere else at first um but i've i've i love what i do but what i've come to realize more than anything is i want a life that is sustainable for myself 
Um, so I want to create a great restaurant that has great food, great service, and a great atmosphere that people will come back to. Mm-hmm. We were price pointing ourselves and doing things and putting things on our menu that kind of, as some uh, residential people would say, we forgot the locals, quote unquote, because of the price points that we were going into. So we went from more of this like high-end destination restaurant to more of like a neighborhood feel mm-hmm. to where... Um, there's something for everybody multiple times throughout the year versus only on anniversaries or only on birthdays. We still bring that to the table. And I think we're one of the few, if not only places in Julian who can give you that unique experience for a special occasion. But we also have our Monday night specials. We have our midweek local specials just to make sure that the locals know that we're thinking about them and we give back to them. And, you know, we, one hand washes the other. It's like a rising tide floats all ships. So whether it's, people dining in the restaurant or shaking hands with other business owners. You know, I don't call it competition. I call it co-opetition. Yeah, yeah, So um, a rising tide floats all ships. The harder we all work together and we continue to focus and I focus on my vision, then hopefully it inspires somebody else to raise the bar over there. And then that raises the bar somewhere else. And before we know it, you know, we are a better community because we've all like risen to the occasion of, seeing a challenge accepting it and then making ourselves better because our environmental conditioning is better yeah 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 yeah. dang um and wow that's that's very true and uh, you know a lot of people in town just know about you through just word of mouth too i mean and obviously driving by and everything and like what do you guys do for like marketing so we have, I was extremely fortunate to have won Marchant of the Year in 2015 or 16, I believe. And uh, for the, Julian is known for the best small town, what is it? The best little town parade, 4th of July parade, best small town little parade, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, I was in the back of this man's Rolls Royce named Edward Masterson, and he was uh, Nikon's photographer of the year, uh, oh, understood psychographic marketing, just did beautiful photography and pictures and advertisement campaigns for these large agencies. And it just so happened to be that he retired and one of his houses is here in Julian. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> so, nice. So um, he kind of, uh, I, wa- I would say, pulled me underneath his wing and started showing me and helping me brand myself to um, showcase visually what we have tried to create and what we're trying to still create. Mm-hmm. So he is, um, he's a genius in my eyes. Um, he's really helped made our vision just the way Ken and Denise did from Starby Ranch, how they made me align with Farm to Table. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ed Masterson really helped take my branding and my imaging to like another level. Yeah, yeah. Really, I think, set us apart from the competition. Totally. And that's the photographer you use now? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And um, do you, um, I had a question, I've, I had a specific question, but oh, um, how much of your ingredients is um, like that you source locally or it's kind of locally? Right now is extremely difficult since COVID happened. Um, I want to say locally, like a hundred percent, honestly, maybe ten or fifteen percent, mm-hmm. maybe. And local to me is like within like a you know ten mile radius. If we wanted to branch it out to seventy miles, that number more than doubles. If you wanted to say San Diego County, yes. um, it doubles again. But I'm I'm a huge believer in. Uh, my brother-in-law is a farmer. He thinks I'm crazy for calling it this, but I call it practical sustainability. An example of that is there was a cattle company down in Santa Isabel, which is three miles from my restaurant. But in mm-hmm. order for me to get their beef, 
the beef had to be trailered to a train station. Then from the train station, it'd go to a slaughterhouse in the Midwest. From the Midwest, it would go to a processing plant in LA. From LA, it would come back to a meat distribution company who I'd buy from. Then it would get trucked to another warehouse where then it would jump on a truck that I was able to get delivered to my restaurant in Julian. And that's because of what the USDA, um, the United States Department of Agriculture is very specific on regulating food that we intake. And it's a, it's a good thing uh, most of the time. You know, they want to make sure that cows are, you know, they're, they're not being uh, neglected or you're not being served an old cow or a, a horrible quality of something. Like that's why when you go to the grocery store, you have these different choices of beef. Mm-hmm. No roll, which is pretty much there's, the feds looked at it. They said it's edible, but it's not graded. <laughs> and then from there you have select choice and prime. And you look at these different categories of meat and you have choice, which is in the middle. Well, when fast food industry started to, you know, take off and expand, uh, say, your popular famous fast food chain such as McDonald's, all of a sudden there's this influx of cows on the market um, for ground beef, for burgers, etc. And there became a surplus of these more expensive steaks like ribeyes, uh, New York's, fillets. Like, what are you going to do with them? You can't grind them up. You can get more money for them. So what the USDA did is you have these three different tiers, again, select, choice, and prime. Mm-hmm. But the choice category now has six or seven different types of choice so it's almost like they've added a whole nother bracket so you have the upper two-thirds choice which is a higher quality of choice grade beef yeah yeah, yeah. which is confusing it, 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 it's kind of confused it's manipulating the market yeah, you know? yeah it's yeah. like uh barcodes with gmo foods it's like if you pick up an apple and it has a five digit code that begins with a nine it's organic but if it's an eight or a seven it's gmo yeah you have a four digit code that begins with a three that's gmo but you have a four-digit code that begins with a four, and it's just commodity. So there's a lot of like, there's a lot of like masking, and like the USDA is like there's Monsanto, who's like this huge agricultural company, and there's a couple of them who sit on the, the board every year. No matter who the president is, whether it's uh, Bush, Obama, Trump, there's always people from these larger corporations who have the funding to maintain those seats to make sure that their products are being sold and so forth. Mm-hmm. But. Um, I think that Monsanto conversation is a whole nother podcast. That's a whole other <laughs> podcast for sure. Um, yeah, man. Well, do you? Um, I was. Oh, do you have any like one that you emulate? Well, emulate that you looked at. You're really inspired, and that you kind of like emulate their process or a couple of different people that um, you are inspired by specifically. There's- Specifically, yes. There was, uh, when I was in culinary school in San Francisco, Alice Waters, who's the owner of Shepanese, mm-hmm. and she's branched off and done many other things for the Bay Area and Berkeley community. Um, she was the first chef, to my knowledge, and restaurant owner to put salad bars in schools. So there was probably this well, period, I want to say it was about five years ago or so, where um, Jeremy's on the Hill, we started to do a farm to school program for the K-12 through district here in Julian. And uh, we just lost too much money doing it. Um, the education starts with the parents, and when parents are sending their kids to school with, you know, Takis and Monster Energy drinks, it was kind of like a lost cause. Bro, that's you know, such it, a shit. Yeah. It sucks because, like, there were some parents and kids who were, like, into it, and, like, they had a garden at the school. So, like, we would do these, like, harvest of the month where it's, like, for October, the fruit was apples. So, like, somebody would come in, talk about apples, and then, like, 
every day for the month of October, we'd be serving like varieties of apples from Julian or pears from Julian. Yeah. Uh, so every month there was like a featured nutrient, whether it's a fruit or a vegetable. And then we did menu things that kind of corresponded and correlated with that. But again, it's just the education, you know, um, it's never anything ever about being perfect, which again, this is where it's like, I've changed my philosophy. It's like, I call it the Heinz ketchup theory. It's a little sweet, a little salty, a little savory, a little sour. Everybody likes Heinz ketchup. Yeah. Some people freaking love it, but everybody likes it. So that's yeah. kind of the direction that I've gone for with my restaurant was going in for the light category and go for the 70% instead of, you can't make everybody happy. We all know that. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, also understanding the demographics of our town. So that's, yeah, yeah. Man. yeah I, the whole school, that's a whole other podcast, but school lunch, I feel like it's really freaking important that kids are taught to eat well because i mean i've talked about i have a youtube channel as well i talk about how mental health and nutrition are like one in the same like you to process information to learn new things for you to have enough energy you need to eat well and i mean i can go on a whole rant about it but um (laughs) i think that's awesome that you were actually doing that i didn't know you were doing that but um so that's something Definitely, the government needs to fund a little more on the public. It's hard, too. you know. It, 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 it's I, I, I believe it comes down to education and parents, and you know, it's really hard when um, nowadays we have to work harder than ever. I don't just mean like this year, or last year, but just in general, based on like we're in this time in history where things move so fast. We want cell phones, we want TV, we want this, we want that. All these things that cost money that should be treated as luxuries. And we've all kind of been led to make them into like necessities. Mm -hmm. So we have to work so much harder, which means less time uh, focusing on our children. It means less time, you know, looking at education, more time with like drugs and alcohol and addiction versus like investing in like the next generation and the next wave of people. Um, At least that's kind of where I feel there's... A huge separation like julian has like such a higher poverty level than a lot of other communities do i don't even know anymore but i know like at one point like 60 percent of julian if not more now is under the average threshold for what like a household income is supposed to be making so you already have so you have that coupled with like stressed out parents with working with alcohol and then granted again this isn't like for everybody but like you know there's just a large population of where we live this is like the reality of what we're dealing with so Mm -hmm. you know when we looked at the school nutrition program it was like working with the school they were even trying to combat that and it works to some degree but like you know you can't you can only you can't save everybody you know yeah yeah, for sure and i just got to a point where it's like i was just i was losing too much money i was investing too much time Um, And again, for my own self and my own health, like it was just, we dropped the program because it wasn't, um, wasn't sustainable. Yeah, for sure. And it has to be sustainable and it has to work for everyone, especially person leading it. So yeah, I'm sure we'll find a way to make something like that work in the future. I mean, I really think that that's like the only way we can move forward because we're going in such of, in like, like I said, I'm on YouTube with a channel and it's like the main things kids are being fed right now is like have you heard of mukbangs mukbangs which is like you sit in front of a camera and you eat a bunch of food in front of the camera for like there's like hour-long videos and the main thing is junk food like they buy like one person buys like five bags worth of mcdonald's and eat that and it's mainly for kids and that's what they're being taught you know yeah so like and you know it's funny it's entertaining it's condone not only condone but encouraged to be that way and 
there's I mean I'm I'll figure out some way eventually to educate people in a cool awesome way to eat well (laughs) Well, I think you just hit it right on the head there's a difference between entertainment and education and that's like I love music and that was like when I was growing up through school like I love I still love hip-hop and rap music like Mm -hmm. I could I could run a business if I listen to enough Jay-Z like like you listen to Jay-Z and it's like you'll be able to run any business yeah but um, again there's so much of what people say is entertainment and then understanding that that's a difference from um, entertainment versus education or versus um, a real way of life. Like yeah, it's yeah. Just, there's such like this mixed message or like mixed blended perception that we give off to people when we're trying to like support and promote products that, you know, if we're aware of it, you know, it's good for marketing, good for campaigning and sales and for numbers. But on the flip side, if it does damage to the environment and the community and the future of America or any country, it's, you know, it, it does, it gets kind of gray area. That's, yeah. That's a good way to, yeah, I mean, I can't wait until, like, Jeremy's on the Hill kind of food is, like, normal. Like, it, that's, like, how we eat. I feel like it's it is like, in most places. It's just not where we are here in Julian. You yeah. Know? And it, it's, again, it's, like, it, it's your demographic. It's, like, Julian is not a progressive town, which is why so many people yeah. like to come to Julian. Is It's, like, it's kind of, like, an escape from all that. It's, like, going back to grandma and grandpa's house. So, again, it's, like, we live in a community where the average demographic, the average age is 64, the average yeah so i mean there, there's a lot of i mean yeah i'm 33 i'm halfway there <laughs> Good <laughs> but boy. um you know it's a um it's understanding where we're at and then i go to vacation like i go to portland i i freaking love mexico i go to mexico city i go to ensenada i love these like places i love cancun i love places where it's like there's trending things but it's affordable too but at the same time i love san francisco i love uh, Boston, I love Seattle. So it's like understanding that I go to those places because there's something I'm looking for. But also understanding that in the small town or wherever you're listening at, you know, where you're, what are your demographics? What is your conditioning? What do you want to do? Like if you look around and there's nothing for you to do, then it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you or there's anything wrong with that town. It's just that town or you're just, you got to go somewhere else to yeah. figure out what you want. Yeah, man, that's true. Um, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll have a cultural shift. I mean, feel like in the main cities, it is more health oriented with like the towns and stuff. I mean, with the restaurants and stuff, but there is at least this time I spend on, on YouTube and like the online world, social media, it is so, un- you know, they push so much unhealthy stuff. And like I said, it's like encouraged to be that way. So yeah. I'm sure that'll be a shift eventually. Um, do you have any like celebrity chefs that you're like into like you know like uh, what do you feel about what's his name the angry english dude uh gordon's the man yeah you like him <laughs> i love him you like yeah. him yeah oh, okay okay sweet I, love, I feel like a lot of people don't really like him but i love gordon ramsay because he gets i think his message gets lost because he does play into some of the hollywood stuff but he's he's so freaking passionate about food mm-hmm. i mean that, that's why it's like I love the memes too. It's like, why'd the chicken cross the road? Because you didn't fucking cook it. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. Just, you know? <laughs> but it, it's, he's just so passionate about food. And yeah. as long as you see that, it's like it's like a lot of people who get angry. Uh, it's because they're so passionate about. It. I mean, I get pissed off in the kitchen all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's because I'm so passionate. When somebody fucks up, it's like, like I'm upset because who's ever receiving that dish isn't getting that experience. Yes. And it's like the first few times I like 
sorry, this is like a real kitchen. This isn't Hollywood. But you yell at somebody a couple of times when they make mistakes, you know, because I'm not going to hold their hand and like wean them. I'm like, dude, you fucked up. Like, yeah, own yeah. your shit, figure it out, or get out. Like, I yeah. don't got time for it. Like, um, that's why I love Gordon. He's like, he's just so passionate about what he does. I mean, I'm not in there yelling at people, but I get pretty pissed. I'll get pissed off at times. Yeah, yeah, for but, sure. But uh, Gordon Ramsay's the man. Um, I think, God, there's so many of them. Uh, Mario Botali, um, I love his style. I love his mentality and what he does. I don't care. I mean, you know, there, there's all these, like, I don't know. He did some bad stuff, but, like, I don't judge him. You know, we all make mistakes in periods of our lives. So, like, what you do know. You do? Uh, sexual, the same thing, like, the sexual scandals and stuff that come out, you know, 20 years later or 10 years later. I don't even know how relevant or how new they were, mm-hmm. but I knew that he got pulled away from a bunch of his restaurants. And, like, Joe Bastianich, his business partner, he's on some ABC show, too. I think it's called The Taste or something. But I read his book called Restaurant Man. And him and Mario Botali are partners. So they did a lot of restaurants together. So I I learned a lot from him. Like, their whole motto was buy it cheap, fix it, sell it for a profit. It's like buy a carrot from a farm that's this big, you know, cut it down, trim it. You know, now you have this beautiful carrot. Then the scraps, put that in the stock pot. And then you have these other cuts, put that in the soup pot. So it's like I got a lot of my, like philosophies from them one i've adapted is it's like anything that you throw away is the profit so if you're gonna throw something away it's like you may as well just reach in my pocket grab 20 bucks and, and throw, throw it in the trash out. can but if i could take if i could take lamb fat render it down and make bacon out of it fuck why why not like yeah, now yeah. it's a unique dish or you know instead of throwing away carrot trims like you know add it to a stock like a stock is like in my eyes is like a garbage disposal it's like if you have different vegetables Put it in the stock pot. Now you have a base for your soups. You got you got mushroom caps, a little bit of onions, some carrot stems, some celery, uh, vegetables like zucchini that are kind of flimsy. Cut them up, put them in the stock pot, and then yeah, taste yeah. it. You know, reduce it. You just get this concentrated flavor. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. But yeah, until yeah. you try it, like there's nothing worse than having an idea and not doing anything about it. It's like you could bitch and complain about how windy it is and how cold it is outside but like if you don't take the time to like put a curtain up or try to seal your windows then it's like you like you could just complain all you want but if you're not going to take action then i don't know you're not you're not doing anything you're just contributing to the problem there's no contribution to the solution yeah that's kind of that's the part where i think is so interesting is being a business owner is every day is there's a new problem. It's like problem solving in math class when you're back in high school, except this is fun. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> Because sure. it's like every day is there's something new which keeps you on your toes, keeps you firing on all eight cylinders in your brain. It's kind of like a car reference. And just um, it's like something to look forward to. And yeah. It's like, you know, any, any small business you work at or any business you work at, it's like if you're having a great time, like it's awesome. Like yes. regardless of how hard the work is, how strenuous it is, how – diminishing some people can make you feel at times like you have these co-workers who if you're in the food and beverage industry which 33 percent of everybody has been or is so mm-hmm. like one in three people you come in contact with get what you're going through it's the yeah. other 66 percent you gotta like, yeah yeah um but when you're when you're around those people like it's a second family i see yeah. my restaurant family more than i do my personal family yeah that's, likewise you know, <laughs> that's just how it is yeah it's like and I, you know, I was like, when I, when I was in high school, it's like, I knew I wanted to be a chef. It was like, I didn't take chemistry. I didn't take, I don't know. I don't even know what other classes there are now, but I, I took like, 
I took my four years of art class. I took uh, shop and ag mechanics. I took PE. I love running, so I took PE. And then I, I took like the necessity classes I had to take. But I love recess because I just got to hang out with my friends. Yeah. And really, it's like with working in the food and beverage industry, I'm just socializing with people all day. It's like, yeah, I'm working and doing A, B, and C. But realistically, it's like I want to be somewhere where I feel good and I'm having a good time. Yeah, yeah, for that's, sure. That's what the restaurant life is. And um, actually, you just said something that was going to be my next question. How often do you stay at Jeremy's on the Hill? Like, how often do you work? Uh, I'm there right now five and a half days a week. Okay. It's realistically six, but I say five and a half. Um, we closed once COVID hit. We stayed closed on Wednesdays and, like, modified our hours. And now that um, it's been so busy... And I can't find enough help. Like, we have staff members who drive up from, like, Rancho Bernardo to work at the restaurant. We have servers who drive up from Lemon Grove, uh, La Mesa area as well. Uh, We just can't find help up here. Um, And I would rather, again, focusing on, like, my health and my sustainability as well as, like, understanding that even a restaurant needs to breathe and take a break like there's this energy that's like built up inside of it and it needs to kind of like decombust and just relax and like resent itself out on its own to some degree um i'm there thursday friday saturday sunday monday tuesday i'll go in one of the days we're closed for a couple hours and then wednesday i'll usually go in for about an hour also um i love what i do so like it's work but at the same time it's like passion and we have the restaurant that we run for those five days a week, but we're also currently doing um, the Great Plates program through FEMA. So it's people who, senior citizens who have been put out by COVID. So we're feeding 70, 70 people three meals per day, every day, as well as another group of people that we're doing a dinner only program for. So... Even when we're closed, we're putting out over 200 meals per day. So it's, I don't know, it's great. It's like, it's a great problem to have. Like it's, you know, it's a bummer that we don't have the staff to like, you know. Full, yeah. Like I would love to just be the conductor, but like I'm on the line cooking five days a week. I'm filling in and helping run food, uh, wash dishes when I need to, taking out the trash, um, trying to schmooze the tables yeah, yeah yell at people for not doing their job and then go out to table three and be like hello how is everything and yes. then you know making sure everybody's happy um it's uh it's good like i i'm there a lot but i, I love it you know i don't have a dog so i don't have you know it's like last night i probably shouldn't say it's on the air but like i let the dog run through the restaurant like as uh, i had to drive my dishwasher home last night because his car broke down so uh, I brought my dog with me and let her like run around the restaurant so she knew where I was. Yeah, yeah. I'm gone all day. She's like, she looks at me when I get home. She's like, where have you been? Yeah. I thought you loved me. I thought you left me. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> yeah, man. Whoa. So do you think eventually you would like to like have like, t- you know, take a step back and like have one or two days where you come in, see everything, look at the numbers and then leave and just have your vision be... On, on autopilot you know I, i'm i would i'm not autopilot because I, I think everybody who works in the restaurant industry or owner will tell you that somebody has to be there 24 7 and if it's not you you got to pay somebody else a lot more money to do it mm-hmm. and 
part of being a business owner is, yeah, you're making money, uh, but at the same time, the first person who ever told me that, I remember the first restaurant I worked at in San Diego, the chef was on vacation. The owner of the restaurant came down and looked at me and said, put more lobster on that salad. There's not enough lobster. So I was like, well, fuck, this is the owner. So I put more lobster on the salad. And then my sous chef came up and he looks at me and goes, what the fuck are you doing? Who told you to do this? And I was like, this guy told me to do it. And then one of the waiters came up and goes, the salad looks like shit. Because by this point, I put the lobster on, took the lobster off, put another lobster on, put it in the window. What's taking so long? Blah, blah, blah. And it was at that moment I realized I don't want to work for anybody else anymore. I'm fucking over it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, So part of being a small town business owner is, is it's like you have these perks of being your own boss. On the flip side, you do work a lot more. Mm-hmm. And you don't get paid compensation-wise, which is kind of hard to, like, explain to people. But there's this lifestyle of trade-off that you get where it's like, yeah, I'm there five, six, seven days a week. Like, I went to Mexico for a week. I wanted to leave. I put it on my calendar a month out. I went to Mexico for a week. I want to take a couple of days off. I'm going to go kick it in Ensenada. Go to Ensenada for a couple of days. I want to go to L.A. I go to L.A. for a couple of days. So it's kind of this, like, trade arm for an arm type of life yeah yeah you know life's a continual swinging pendulum no matter who you are where you are what your political belief is what you did yesterday to today it's like you're you could be on one end of the extreme today and then the next day you're going to be over here on this extreme end and then what's going to happen is everything's going to eventually meet right down in the middle and it'll all blend together well so that's kind of part of my belief like we kind of had a side conversation about like addiction and things off while we were on break um I believe, I know I'm an addict. Like, I believe all human beings are addicts. But like mm-hmm. I said to you, we have our choice of choosing what we're addicted to. I'm addicted to work. I'm addicted to the gym. I'm addicted to running, music, and trying to get eight hours of sleep. <laughs> so these are things that they're just like extremely important to me. Mm-hmm. And there's, I've gone through times in my life where that wasn't clear. And I've made some horrible, bad mistakes in my life. Really bad mistakes in some ways. And now it's like... I see this like potential that I've been able to unlock because yeah. I've accepted who I am and understanding that this is what I want. Like I want to, I want to work. Like I want my own restaurant. I want to be in the position that I am. Like I want to go by every day. I want to know what's happening. You know, what's going on with this person? Why didn't my dishwasher show up? How's, how's the food coming out? How's table three? Which wine did we get shorted on? You know, if there's a break in the supply chain, like, how expensive are ribeyes this week? You know, what steak should I buy next week? You know, how are the farms doing? Oh, there is a flood. Like, okay, that means I can't buy the lettuce from this guy, which means I got to procure it from somebody else. You know, so it's like, it's just, it, it's all these things, but like, that's how my mind works. It's like, I can do 10 things at once. I cannot do one thing at once. Yeah. It's easier for me to like have four different conversations than to just have one. That's yeah. What well, we definitely have that in common. I have a, a, ton of different little things that I like to work on at the same time. Um, but yeah, man, that's pretty intense. Yeah. And it's, I like that you have to like be very self-aware to know what you want and to like, if you, you know, I do agree with the whole addiction thing and shifting that addiction to something positive, I guess that's yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. To something that's good. Yeah, man, that's, pretty i resonate with that a lot do you um do you so like even if you had like the guy or girl that was like 
did exactly what you wanted as like a manager. You paid them a good amount. Like, could you see yourself like working on another project? Do you have like any other projects in the future that you're thinking of doing? And would you ever outsource your main thing you're doing now for that? You know, I think I would. I think for me, like right now, what I'm really looking for is just like finding another chapter in my life to like, like focus in on and like wrap my head around. And I like, I think it's just like being with somebody else. It's like I've dated people and been in relationships and things go good or they go bad or there's distance or there's work or something gets involved, which is again, kind of where I've gotten to this point where it's like, this is who I am. This is what I want. This is what I don't want. Um, I think as far as like what's next for me is, I think that's, that's kind of like a short-term goal, but probably just like, like a relationship is like a more short-term goal with like a significant other type of thing. And then, um, I don't know. I have like a lot of projects right now. It's like, I'm reading a lot of books. Um, I'm working on my fitness, um, trying to learn how to handstand walk. Um, nice. Yeah. I saw that on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I yeah. ate shit. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm getting better. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, like right now I feel like super complete. Like if I think I'm trying to button up my goals for the next two years right now, which is where I'm trying to doing some renegotiating with a couple people to figure some like work stuff out. And then after that, I have, I'll work on like a five and a 10 year goal again, but um, trying to focus in on the small chunk yes. of my life. And because if, if I could have a rough outline of what my next two years could look like and what I want, that are adaptable and flexible to to COVID happening, if a fire were to come, if things change dramatically, if zombie apocalypse happens, like what could I, like this next two year window, what does that mean for me? So like, that's really what I'm focusing on. And then once I have like my, my, my bearings wrapped around that, then I'll focus on like probably what's realistically next for me in life. But, um, yeah, I have a lot of great things happening for me right now. So I'm very content and happy with where I'm at. And there's just a couple more uh, knobs on the radio frequency. I'm just trying to adjust to get that signal to come in a little bit more clear. Nice. Um, so once that's clear, then, you know, that'll open up a lot of doors for me. You know, it's like I feel like I used to get caught up in, like, focusing on things, like, too far out without fixing what was right in front of me first. So it's like if I could fix what's right in front of me and clean that up, whether it's making my bed every morning because that's what I do. It's like I'm a huge believer in like how you leave your house in the morning is like how your brain is. So that's like if your house is scattered, it's like your whole day is going to be scattered. Very true, um, man. That's <laughs> and some people work great like that. I'm not. It's like I, I like to be organized. Um, yeah, but, I'm learning uh, that about myself as well. Yeah. When I leave like a bunch of dishes and then go to work like first thing in the morning, that's literally all like it's on the like background of everything I'm doing. Yeah. It's that's a really good point. And how important this is probably a very obvious answer, but how important is fitness, hydration, and eating right in what you do? It's huge. You know, um, I again a little side conversation we had earlier is like I feel arrogant to a lot of what's happening in COVID. Like I hardly watch TV. Like I watched the news for ten minutes today and just pissed me off so bad I just turned it off and went to the gym. I was like, Can't do it. Can't do it. Um But um, you know, I look at like you know, people who are being affected by COVID that I know of, a bulk majority of them, not everybody, but a bulk majority of them are a specific weight or they have pre-existing conditions. And the reason that I do farm to table, I go to the gym, I get my eight hours of sleep, minimize alcohol consumption, 
and try to stay and be as healthy as I possibly can mentally, physically, and spiritually is to prevent myself from being in these areas of life where there's weakness that's slipped in, whether it's eating shit food or smoking too many cigarettes or drinking too much or being around people that aren't healthy for me or contribute to my life. Because in my eyes, it's very cutthroat, but you're either an asset or a liability. There's really no in between, you know, and it's like, you have associates that you have to do business with, but everybody's an asset or they're a fucking ally. Like, there's no, like, I don't have time for anything. Else. I don't want anything else. It's yeah. like, it's, yeah, yeah. it's like, if you're not, like, if I, I believe in giving everything I have to everybody who I come in contact with, even if my everything at one point isn't my everything today, I give everything. So if I'm around people that just leech that from me and don't contribute back, I don't want them. Like, it's just, shit's toxic. Like, and before I know it, it's like, I try to give that person a chance and all of a sudden they start seeping in. It's like cancer. It's like all of a sudden you have have this like cancerous tumor that's growing because their negativity is getting on me. And it's like, like, I'm done with that chapter of my life. Like, (laughs) here's the Heisman, get out, you know? I don't want it. For sure, man. That is, that's very true. I have a video actually talking about that too, a YouTube video talking about like how there are these young not at risk people that are catching COVID and some of them dying and I can't help but think and then we do these like we drink heavily eat pizza talk a bunch of garbage Kill and complain and sometimes we stack all of those in the same event like we're hanging out with friends we're complaining they're toxic friends we're also drinking super heavily and then in the morning that is like opening a door for anything not only just covid but for anything and you're planting seeds in your mind like regardless of if you forget it from alcoholism you still have that fucking seed in your head that's like it's growing and it's Mm -hmm. like the more you feed it the roots going into the ground your tree's getting bigger you know and it's like over time you have this big old oak tree in your head of negativity and it's like you got to start cutting them branches down and cutting that tree down and like retaking control and like totally yeah it's just and it's, it, you know, it's great when you're conscientious of it, but there is so many things that I still do that I'm not even conscientious of because of my awareness to it. Yep, yep. And it, somebody points it out to me and I get defensive about it. And then I go, you know what? You know, mom, you were right. You know, yes. or like, you know what? You were right. And it, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's good to be humble. Very. Because it's, that's how you'll learn. You know, you'll, you'll get a lot more from life rather than. Like I said, I love hip hop and rap music and that arrogant stuff when I'm lifting weights in the gym. But like, you know, it's like, yeah. it's very, uh, it's good to be humble and just uh, be open to everybody and be receptive. Totally. I think our first interaction, I knew you were a humble dude because our first interaction, I was like, are you the Jeremy? And you were like, just Jeremy. <laughs> like, that was my first impression of you. I'm like, all right, well, that's that's who this guy is. So that was really cool. I think being humble is very important when you're um to be successful i think it's it's a common trait that i've noticed so you definitely got that man thank you yeah (laughs) sweet yeah man fitness health that's all super important it's i mean not even just to be like successful but just in these times now to be in our world our world is not created to or you know the mainstream world is not created to um be really conducive for us to be thriving so we got to really put that time aside and on our alone time and cherish it and and hold on to it and fight for it yeah it's like it's so easy to just go home watch tv and pop open a beer it's not so easy after you work 12 hours 
or drive it stuck in traffic to go to the gym. And you know what? Like the first 10 minutes might suck when you're there, but you start breathing hard. Your endorphins start rushing. Your, your head clears up. Like your lungs are breathing heavy. It's like it's people who do these deep meditations. I mean, it's so good for you because it's like you alter. You take yourself somewhere else. Yeah. It's like if you have a stressful job, if there's things in your life that you don't love, go to the gym. Go work out. Like don't just like try to like lift 400 pounds on the bench press or 200 like go like sit go go on a sit down bike or go on the treadmill and just run and like go outside for a walk and like you'll be amazed that after 10 minutes or so you'll just start to feel different yeah. and then if you want to go further see how that makes you feel and yeah. then like let it go from there but like if anybody's listening to this and doesn't work out just try just go for a 10 minute walk yeah. put your headphones on Pick your three favorite songs. Go for a walk. If it's horrible weather outside, uh, go to the treadmill. Or if, if, if the gyms are closed where you're at, do some sit-ups in your house and do some jumping jacks. You'll just feel good. Like, if you have, like, shoulder pains, do some jumping jacks. Loosen up your joints, your muscles. Like, I, just, I can't tell you how many great things will come from exercising and taking care of your body. Total, I mean, and there's days that I literally think that I'm – is crazy weekend here worked all day on my feet all day and i'm like yo i do not feel and my workout is i don't have like a home gym or anything so i put on 50 pound vest dumbbells and then like it was these ankle weights that i just put on my wrists and i do this like trek up a hill and like it's those first 10 minutes where you're like yo i'm not I'm not wanting to do this right now. After those 10 minutes, even though you're in pain and you're like, <laughs> you're like yeah, amazing. yeah you just broke ground, but you went from, I don't want to do this to doing it to where it's like, you just, you just, there was this roadblock and you just fucking ran through that roadblock and you're, you're still going in. Yeah. And there's this huge hill that I'm like, before I go, I'm like, yo, I'm not going to be able to do this hill. I'm way too exhausted. And you feel amazing while I'm doing it. My favorite album right now is by disclosure like a dance kind of thing amazing trekking up in that like and it's the the bpm is like your heart rate for most dance music and i'm like it's it like it's it that's that's really it so i think that's awesome that you are so into fitness because i think that's um really important especially for people listening it's not even fitness like you don't have to be a gym rat you don't have to just do like you said like go for a walk walk walking is amazing if you think you're exhausted Still do it. And it's that after you break that five, ten minute barrier, you'll feel amazing. You're, no one's going to die in ten minutes from running. No nope. one's going to die in ten minutes from curling. No one's going to die in ten minutes from doing a pull-up. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, for or sure. Or a push-up, you know, so. Totally. And do you, you said, mentioned meditation. Do you meditate? Um, my definition of meditation is going to the gym. Yeah, Like, yeah, that yeah. for me is, like, Moving I could, meditation. I just focus, like, there's times where I'll go at night when I get off of work. Nobody else is there. And then it's like, uh, it's funny doing these like handstand, learning how to handstand walk. And it's got me doing all these poses that I'm like, I don't fucking do yoga. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's got yeah. me doing these poses that yo- people who do yoga do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was like, okay, I'll learn to like this. And I start to feel the muscle differences. But, you know, it's like one thing that's cool about yoga that I've come to appreciate is, is you take control over your body. And by that, I mean, like, you literally think about, like, if you just look and open and close your hand, but if you, like, look at your hand and, like, close it and you, like, feel every bit of muscle, like, oh, my fingers are starting to get tight. So let me loosen it up and try it again. And you could, it's like the saying, there's a thousand ways to skin a cat. There's a thousand ways to open and close your hands or do a, do a tripod stand on your head or 
do a pull up or a sit up. So it's just, it's one of the things I love about the gym is it's like, all you do is just barely do something a little different and it works a different muscle in a different way. Or if, oh, I did it, it kind of hurt my shoulder a little bit, pull your arms in a little bit and then you can do it and it feels different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's just one of those projects where it's like, it helps me focus on my body and like, just helps focus me and like pulls me back down to being grounded because I've been at the restaurant for 13 years. So if anybody's worked in a career, been at the same office for 10 years, 12 years, five years, three years, it's like you get in this like routine after a while. So it's like, I'm continually, I am continually trying to find things that re enlighten me and keep that level of enthusiasm in me to where again, I want to go to work. I want a chef. I want to work with my friends. I want to, cut another 30 apples to make 10 cobblers yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. so it's uh to me it's just like the gym is like my foundation for a lot of that oh, man you're inspiring me greatly with that because it's i yeah i think that's amazing sweet man yeah body it's like a moving meditation and like the body awareness is extremely healing and it's the lifestyle it's not like a a trend it's not you don't do it for like a month or two it's like you don't need to push yourself to be like some extreme fitness enthusiast it's like just love what you do and like know that every mile that you walk it's like you're adding five minutes to your life you're losing you know x amount of calories you're 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 breathing heavier your heart rate's going up your your lungs are clearing out your you're circulating blood cells and vessels and you're healing your body and you're doing these natural things that are strengthening your immune system. And not just that, but if you run five miles, you can have that extra pitcher of beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, could, you know, and it's like instead of worrying about putting on weight, you're like, yeah, I deserve this. You know, yeah, yeah. and then, you know, when you start working out, you know, that gives you a whole nother level of appreciation for that piece of pizza if you're going to eat it or why you eat that salad when you get hungry at 10 o'clock at night instead of, our Reese's peanut butter bar. So, you know, it's like you start to realize like how many calories are in a pound, how hard it is to lose a pound, you know, what foods do you put in your body that support what you're doing? What foods give you natural energy instead of consuming sugar? So it, it's really like, it all starts with that one mile that you walk. And then it just, it's, and this is all, this is a conversation that started with meditation. And then yeah. again, it focuses in on uh, mind, body, spirit. So it's one of those activities that covers those three like super important things about us as human beings. We have to take care of our mind, our bodies, our temple, and our spirit. It's like when we die, like when you cut somebody open, like there's no spirit there. You don't see it. But when you think about loved ones or friends and families that you've lost, it's their spirit that you're thinking about. Yeah, so it's, it's like that. It's a different level of understanding. But it's all tied in together in my head it is yeah so um yeah it's just it's super important for me yeah man damn that is you're very complex dude and you um there's a reason why you are as successful as you are today and there's all these layers and there's definitely it's not just by accident you're definitely it's all part of that your lifestyle that you're talking about of you know putting in work Having, having a vision, having this extra work to maintain yourself, and then, you know, putting yourself out there and serving humanity. That is, like, the main thing with this podcast and how I'm look, starting to look at life now. So, yeah, man. Um, yeah, it, it feels like a very complete, like, podcast so far. Do you have anything you want to say to the audience? Any advice or... 
if Anything you're uh, if you're a hardworking chef and you're looking for work, my business <laughs> is Jeremy's on the Hill, uh, four three five four Highway seventy eight. We're always hiring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, let's, I'll do a little plug. Yeah, dude, Jeremy's on the Hill, y'all. It's in. Is it technically Julian? Or uh, it's Santa Isabel, Isabel, technically, but it, come to Julian. That's where you'll find us. Yes, come and experience Jeremy's on the Hill. It is quite the dining experience. All right, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. And you've been an awesome guest. Thank you so much, man. Okay. Thanks for listening, y'all.